Wednesday here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter here with Brian Batko today. We're going to go over all of our mock drafts for just the first edition of just going through who the top prospects are, where they could fall, and how they could benefit the Steelers the best. Our mock draft compared to Ray Fittipaldo's, all that here and more on the North Shore Drive podcast. Again, from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast. A show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello, welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter here with Brian Batko. As always, we're talking all things Steelers here on the on the North Shore Drive podcast. As always, you can, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this channel to get all of the Monday, Wednesday, and Friday episodes, as well as all of the daily content that comes out from all of our Pittsburgh sports writers, including yesterday's episode of Chip Tam and Football with Brian Batko and Jerry Dulac talking about a lot of things there. But I uh, want to remind, remind you, this show is brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. When you go to Mike's Beer Bar, it's right on, on the North Shore, right across your PNC Park on Federal Street. When you go there, they have over 500 different available beers. 300 of those beers are from the local area. 80 of those local beers are available on tap, and they're switching new ones in and out every single week. Go to Mike's Beer Bar today. More on them later. Brian, it's mock draft season, baby. Even though the Super Bowl hasn't been played, people are starting to, 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 to wind it up. And we got Ray for the Potos first. We're going to go over our first two that we've discussed here for the Post-Gazette. It's an exciting time when you just keep clicking over and over like you're at a slot machine in, in a random casino. It's exciting, but, you know, you, you got to learn to pace yourself because <laughs> you're right, Chris. The Super Bowl hasn't happened yet. Free agency hasn't happened yet. The Combine hasn't happened yet. So we're going to kind of be stuck in this mode of, mock drafting over and over and over again for the next two almost three months not quite three months but uh it's it's going to be a long six or seven weeks of kicking around every single draft permutation and we might as well uh get started today because ray got back from the senior bowl put his first one on the post gazette website so it's kind of a good time to uh let's just be honest fill a lull midweek too uh, where there's not really a whole lot going on. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, again, the senior bowl is usually a good place to like start at, start at it. We won't inundate you guys with a bunch of these mock draft shows. This is just kind of a, a preliminary before we, uh, we go to the combine and before we start taking on other processes, you know, we'll probably do one, you know, after the combine and probably another one after free agency, um, and then another like right before the draft, just to keep you guys abreast of where our heads are at. But as we said, Ray Fittipato's mock draft is uh, is live right now on on postgazette.com. Uh, go there, go there to check that out. We're going to read through his picks real quick and then give you ours in comparison. Ray went with a very standard pick that I think a lot of people are making right now. He got center Jackson Powers Johnson out of Oregon, who was. Uh, you know, a star of the senior bowl and a guy at a position that a lot of people say is maybe the top need, if not a top need for the Steelers. Uh, he went back in, in the second round, got a defensive lineman, Darius Robinson of Missouri, a big, a big bodied guy who can try to pair with Ke Keanu Benton as future of the defensive line. Uh, then went corner with Mike uh, San, San Ristel of Michigan, uh, getting a corner to pair with, with Joey Porter Jr. in the third round. Fourth round with the Steelers back-to-back -back picks, he gets a wide receiver, Javon Baker of Central Florida, and a linebacker, Jalen Ford of Texas. 
um, coming from there. And then the sixth round went a little different, went and got a punter, Tory Taylor of Iowa, a place where you got to do a lot of punting with that with, with that offense. Um, an obvious need there because of Presley Harvin struggles. And then finished with Roger Chris, fun fact, two of my sisters-in-laws are named Tory and Taylor. So that's that, just that's kidding. that sounds like destiny to me. You gotta cover we you gotta cover yeah. this guy. Um and then finished out with Roger Rosengarten of Washington around seven. Again, you can read all his, his descriptions and analysis of, of those picks. But Brian, it seems like center continues to it has propped itself into the into the conversation of being the Steelers' first round pick. Uh, tip, typically, center has is is not a first round pick any anymore these days. Do you see that maybe the Steelers putting too much emphasis on the center position if they went round one when they can get other positions of need? I would say not necessarily. I think you have to really be sure that that guy is is worthy of using that kind of pick because of the the questions of value. But you know the Steelers have never really been married to some of those philosophical, you know, entrenched in how you should and shouldn't run your draft. They just took a running back in the first round a couple of years ago, you know, safety in, in 2018. So I mean, I, I'm not I, I'm I don't I'm not really somebody who draws a hard and fast line against any specific position in the first round for the most part especially because I think that's kind of the missing piece for it everything circumstantial everything needs to be tied into your specific situation for the Steelers I think center is probably the missing piece for the most part of their offensive line the the one that was the most inconsistent most in need of an upgrade last season those needs have to dovetail with what's to be offered in in a particular draft but um, I just think uh, I, I don't blame Ray for going with Jackson Powers Johnson there. It seems like he's separated himself early from the rest of the pack at that position. I just don't know that that's the route that I would go because I, I don't, I, I generally, I need to be very heavily convinced and swayed uh, that, that you're taking a center in round one, especially 20th overall. Yeah, they've got to be play at the level of like Marquise Pouncey or Creed Humphrey, who, by the way, was also a late second round pick. Right. With no other, you know, realistic options too, at because, you know, you're always going to have competition from prospects at other positions that mm -hmm. are more frequently valued at, at that point. And a big part of that is just what are you going to have to pay guys down the line uh, if, if they become the contributors you expect them to be as first rounders? We know that tackles, wide receivers corners they tend to break the bank a lot more than an interior lineman for the most part indeed let's get to our picks brian because i think because we we did we did our own mock drafts to compare to race here we'll put it on the screen for everyone to see but looking at how this plays out uh i also went with jackson powers johnson but i switched it up after there i went corner with ennis rakestraw jr of uh, missouri jeremiah trotter jr in the third round the linebacker out of clemson wide receiver malachi corley out of western kentucky in the fourth round also pairing with tyke smith the safety out of georgia dwight mcglether in a corner out of arkansas and then finished with uh tagovailoa the quarterback out of maryland but you you got cooper de gene is it cooper de john or cooper de gene i always mess that up cooper de, um, i think it's cooper de gene I think it is Cooper DeGene. Okay, I got it right. Uh, but Cooper DeGene out of Iowa, the corner in the first round. Then you went back and got Zach Frazier with the second round pick. To me, he's the other center that is the kind of the caliber that can be a starter this year if they really wanted him to be. But then you also added in Peyton Wilson, linebacker of NC State, uh, defensive lineman out of Alabama, Justin Ibogbe. Uh, and then Jalen McMillan, a wide receiver out of Washington, Caden Wallace, an offensive tackle from Penn State, 
And then finally, Isaac Rex, a tight end out of BYU. But both of us went center and corner in the first and second round, albeit in different different things here. To me, I, I kind of I, I kind of feel like those are two of the prime positions of importance here. I'd also list offensive tackle in there, but I just don't know if they'll get the right value for the kind of offensive tackle that they want if they pick if if they pick where, for where they're picking in the first round and then also be able to get a center. Yeah, I mean if you look at at mine, um, you know, you had the same first round pick as Ray, but I had the the first same five positions picked mm. as Ray, so we're we're kind of in lockstep that way. You know, with DeGene, I went with him because number one, I think he's he's got the athleticism that the Steelers really like. And, you know, he did have a leg injury that ended his season early, but it's, it didn't seem to be too significant. So hopefully he has a chance to go out there and, and test off the charts in Indy, but we will see. Um, I, I still think he's somebody whose production film already speaks for itself. Uh, and then as far as positional fit, I'm not really sure what the Steelers need the most, whether it's another outside corner, whether it's a safety, whether it's a slot corner, so I just said, I'll get a guy who might be able to do all three uh, mm. at some point in his NFL career. Just kind of get him in the building and then figure out where he's best equipped to help you. Sometimes maybe somebody would say, look, if you're going to use your first round pick on a guy, you better have a specific vision for where you're using him and, and playing him. I would leave that up to the coaches who know better than me. But uh, as a GM, I would just tell you, look, I think he can do all sorts of different things. And that's a plus for him. And yeah, as far as you know, not going tackle early. Number one, I'm with you, Chris. I think if you don't get one of the top three or four, you might start reaching a bit. And number yeah. two, I just think that uh, everything that the Steelers have shown us, forget what they've told us, everything they've shown us over the years tells us they're somewhat comfortable with Dan Moore Jr. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them. And weird. I could be wrong. Maybe yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the year they truly want to upgrade. They did sort of make a move in that direction last year by picking Broderick Jones, but they didn't start Broderick Jones over him at left tackle. So uh, I think there's something they like about more, at least maybe willing to ride the wheels off of him in the final year of his contract. I don't know what that would mean for where you end up putting Broderick Jones right or left side, but uh, I think the, the center position again is one that they need to upgrade and probably need to do it on uh, the first or second day of the draft. I agree. Center needs to be upgraded when you can get one of those top guys. And I know some people out there might be wondering, what about guys like Cedric Van Pran or, or you know, Graham? I Barton? like him too. I think I I put those in the I put those three in my upper tier of centers that I I would be willing to spend a you know early round pick on. I, I, we'll talk more about that on the other side of the break here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Our picks, our evaluations of what's the what, what's the most important here uh, for the Steelers to make sure that they head on with this draft. And a lot more talk here on the North Shore Drive podcast. But first, I want to remind you, this show is brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar. Again, Mike's Beer Bar. It's right on. It's right on Fiddle Street, right across the street from PNC Park on the North Shore. You go to Mike's Beer Bar today. They have over twenty televisions. So if you whether you want you whether you want to catch the, catch the latest Penguins game, uh, college college basketball, NBA. 
uh, you know, whatever kind of sports action that you want. Not only can you go there and see it, you can even reserve a table with a television specifically on the game that you want to watch, including Duquesne basketball. Mike's a big Duquesne guy, so if you're a Duquesne, if you're a Duquesne Dukes fan, get on over to Mike's today. But even if you're not, enjoy one of their 500 different available beers. 300 of those beers are from the local area, and 80 of those local beers are available on tap, and they're always switching new ones in and out, so you could try any kind of flavors, any kind of styles that you can imagine. It's available at Mike's Beer Bar. They also have amazing food, like their steak on a stone meal, where your choice cut of steak is brought to you on a heated stone, and all you have to do is cut up every piece off, and when you when you press it into the stone, you choose how well done you want every bite of your steak. Go to Mike's Beer Bar today to get your sports fix and experience the best bar in Pittsburgh when you get there. Tell them Chris sent you. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter, Brian Batko. We are doing our first mock drafts of the season, getting into where where we see things pl- playing out. Uh, again, our picks, uh, we both went center and corner in the first and second rounds. I-, I wanted to dive more into the center talk here because, like, you like you know, you went and got Zach Frazier in the second, and I like Zach Frazier. I think that if, if the, there, there are two linemen that if they get in the first two rounds, I think that they've – They've done their job and they've gotten their their hits on. But I also think that they are they need they need to be able to to make sure that they get a guy who starts. And I, I'm not 100 percent sure Cedric Van Pran out of Georgia is that guy. And I, I've only done just just some uh, um, some some research on his film and see. But I, I don't see a dominant center. I see a guy who kind of does enough of the work to be part of a decent line. But. I, I think that they need a guy who's a road grader or, you know, or an eraser in the middle part of the offensive line, a guy who can shut everything down and kind of be a spark for everyone else to depend on the offensive line. And it just my opinion, Frazier and Powers Johnson are the two guys in this class that are definitely that maybe Van Pran is. And we just I, I just haven't seen it, you know, but I think that that's why I'm I'm kind of leaning towards they got to make that center pick early if they haven't addressed it with a serious move in free agency. I think a lot of people would tell you really all they need out of center is somebody who can snap the ball from point A to point B and it lands in the hands of the mm-hmm. quarterback who's back there. So as far as that goes, a, uh, a low bar to clear. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. I think it's evaluations of a center at a player like Georgia can or excuse me at a program like Georgia can be tricky because you do have so much talent around you I mean we know the the tackles and and the guards that they have had uh over the these last few years as Van Pran has been starting you know I I tend to think that if you can get the job done at that school in the SEC and play that position for Kirby Smart and be part of the success that they had and sustained um, I'm willing to take my chances with you at the next level but you're right. Maybe there's something to it that I uh, think you know, it's just so much help um, on that line. You've you've got so many guys around you uh, who are doing the heavy lifting that that maybe you just have to be a cog in the machine rather than somebody who's leading the pack. So I I wouldn't spend a, a first round pick on Van Pran or even Frazier, uh, you know, to that point. But uh, I think both those guys could be among that group of centers in this class that. Uh, you can get in here and and they can sort of be your guy for the next four to five years at least uh, as as Mason Cole kind of ages out of the position and, and plays his way out of the position. Uh, we'll see what kind of comes out through the rest of this pre-draft process. I, I guess it's entirely possible that somebody else will 
work their way up into the mix of centers talked about in the first couple of days of the draft. That just seems mm. unlikely at this point. It seems like if the Steelers want to find a rookie to help out and step in right away, they're they're not going to be able to wait until the fourth round or later. I hear I hear you on that, and and that's I agree. They need they need to make their move at center again. If they don't get like a guy like Lloyd Cushenberry, uh, you know, a veteran center in the NFL who they think can come in and start. But I, I think that they need this guy needs to be part of this new core that they want to build. You know, Isaac Sayamalu I think was a very good addition in free agency this year, but the guy's also already in his thirties, and you can't depend on that for too much longer. I, I think that if you're trying to build a new core, I think James Daniels can be part of that. He's he's in his you know mid to late twenties. Um, you know, broader. Jones, obviously a huge piece there, but I think you need a third piece that can be around for for several years. And that's where getting a really good center could be. If you look back to the Steelers 2010 offensive line or 2010's offensive line, uh, you got you had Pouncey and DeCastro as kind of your anchors, two guys that were all pro type players who you invested first round picks in, who became exactly what they were drafted to be. And then you had guys like Marcus Gilbert, Ramon Foster, Alejandro Villanueva, guys that fit, filled in, Kelvin Beecham, guys that filled in around them, but it was still built on two stars. I think that that's where if you can get a center to pair with Broderick Jones and both of them progress in the way that you expect, that makes your offensive line, it gives your offensive line a chance to succeed. But I want to talk about your Cooper. Why haven't we talked about Graham Barton from Duke? Why haven't uh, we? I know he played he played tackle at Duke, but a lot of the O-line gurus who study the draft think he's going to be a center in the NFL or would the Steelers or Steelers fans just be too scarred from the conversion <laughs> of Kendrick Green. Green from guard to center to want to convert a tackle to center and and somebody like Barton he could be a first rounder, he could be gone before the Steelers even pick because of how consistent he was at Duke, but that's another name that I, I sort of just wonder, you know, do you do you sort of bring him in and maybe he plays tackle, maybe he plays center. Uh, you just find a, a fit for him and you bet on the player rather than a specific kind of positional fit or need. I, I feel you on that. It's Graham Barton's an interesting prospect. I haven't had a chance to start study him a whole lot uh, as far as what he brings to the table. And also, like, I wanted, I would like to find tape on him playing center specifically. I don't even um, know that you can do that. I mean, I think yeah. he's going to have to try to show that in the pre-draft process. I don't believe he ended up going to the senior bowl to do that. So that's, uh, you know, that, that's a question, I guess. Only he could answer if he's willing to switch positions or what he wants to do in the NFL. I feel like he's kind of the Peter Skaronsky of this year's draft. I, I hear you on, on that. Peter Skronsky, a good comparison. But I want to talk to you about corner because um, looking at, you know, Cooper DeGene, you know, he's a guy, like you said, he can play in multiple positions. But does that, if you're picking corner that early, are, are do you feel like that it is top priority to make sure that that guy is the outside guy? Or are you picking him because the versatility makes it so that even if he's not the outside guy, you have two other places where he can fit and probably fit in? Because to me, I feel like a prime importance is to find the neck, the other corner that'll line up opposite of Joey Porter Jr. So that you don't have to worry about that position uh, moving forward. I think of prime importance in the first round is finding a good football player, somebody who's going to be a game changer for you on defense. And, you know, sort of the flip side of the center conversation that we just had on offense. Yeah. You can make a lot of arguments. Hey, why are you even using a first round pick on anybody on offense, except for a tackle, a wide receiver or a quarterback? I understand where that logic comes from. Those are the guys who get paid. Uh, the the quarterbacks, the ones who catch the ball from them and the ones who protect them. But, you know, the guys who snap them, the ball can be valuable and, you know, very critical to success too, as we've seen over these last few years since the Steelers have sort of been lost in the wilderness at center. Mason Cole 
not a bad stopgap, but he was a stopgap. Defensively, most of that money goes to the D linemen and the edge rushers. And, you know, eventually outside corner, if you cement yourself as one of the top cover guys in the league, but uh, it, it also, you know, slot corner as a starter in today's NFL, the safety position has been a bit of a revolving door for the Steelers other than Minka Fitzpatrick. And I think we've talked on this show, Chris, about even Minka Fitzpatrick isn't really looking like himself uh, lately. Part of that could be how they're deploying him. And you might need to get uh, a new type of player in there opposite him uh, to, you know, impact how you utilize him. So somebody like DeGene, I, I think you can try him out at outside corner first, see if he's got the twitchiness, the the deep speed, the coverability to do that in the NFL. Uh, if it feels like maybe that's not right, you know, I think you still have somebody who's uh, a splash playmaker, somebody who did a lot of that at Iowa was part of a really successful defense. You know, you could deploy him at strong safety. You could deploy him as more of an inside corner and just you, you want to get something out of the 20th overall pick and you can maybe find your opposite uh, outside corner from Joey Porter Jr. Uh, somewhere else. Maybe it's somebody who's already on this roster. Uh, it's certainly going to be interesting to see, you know, what they prefer. I, Because, I, you know, again, Corey Trice sitting there, I think a lot of people say, well, what about Corey Trice? And I say, you know, say, you know what, there's, there's a chance. There's a lot of people that felt that he was highly underdrafted in the seventh round. But, you know, again, do you want, how much, how much do you want to bank on a seventh round guy who tore his ACL in camp last year and that you're not sure if he's going to be healthy. I mean, who was the, who was the Senquez Golson, you know, a guy that, you know, got injured his, his rookie season. He was a second round, he was a second round pick and and never panned out. I I feel like the Steelers, if, if Corey Trice works out great and you happen to have gotten another cornerback, great because then you can never you can never have too many really good Darius rush is still sitting there as well and he's Darius another rush one. is still on the roster yeah. absolutely i want to talk about other positions of importance uh, as we had them throughout our mock drafts and where and where the steelers could get them all here on the north shore drive podcast chris carter brian batko stick with us we'll be right back Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Chris Carter, Brian Batko. Again, just going over Steelers draft needs and where and where the best fits are. I, I thought it was very interesting. Both of us went linebacker in the third round. Uh, granted, I when I saw Jeremiah Trotter Jr. there in my mock draft, similarly, I was like, that's not going to happen. I just don't think there's any way he falls all the way down to 84. But I was like, hey. I'm not going to complain and, and get credit for take for taking a guy there. You went with Peyton Wilson, uh, linebacker out of NC State, two ACC guys, by the way. Um, but I think both you and I seem to be on the same page. That whereas, yes, the Steelers linebackers were hurt. There were there were, there was talent on it. I think this team wants a young linebacker who can be plugged into their defense, maybe learn from some of the veterans that they do have under contract, and become part of the future there because linebacker historically and the Steelers best teams is usually a very good asset for them. Um, and getting a guy in the, on, you know, day two of the draft who could fit that. I think that could be an interesting spot there for the Steelers to improve that position without investing too much in it, because they do need to improve the offensive line and the secondary, which to me, those take importance over linebacker right now. Yeah. I think that third round is probably the sweet spot as evidenced by both of us uh, going with it there. And you never know that could, could change between now and the draft, especially if they do hit it again in, in free agency and hit it hard the way they did last off season. But 
I just think it's as simple as I, I don't know that there's one in this draft that you'd take in the first round. And I even think the Devin Bush failure uh, would, would have me a little bit spooked by using a first round pick on a linebacker again yeah. anytime soon. They're very difficult to project from college to the NFL. So, uh, and also so dependent on kind of the, uh, the, the supporting cast around them, I think, to make them look better, almost like the defensive running back in a way. So I wouldn't go in the first round. I'd start looking in the second round for a new inside linebacker because, yeah, I mean, I just think that's a room that is still in transition. Very unfortunate, the injuries to Cole Holcomb and Quan Alexander that affected the 2023 season, obviously. But I think they're also going to carry over and continue affecting that unit in 2024 just because of the significance of those injuries. Obviously, it might preclude Alexander from even being re-signed after how well he was playing. And as far as Cole Holcomb, you know, I think he's targeting uh, the regular uh, start of training camp to be ready. But who knows? That was that was brutal. Then, you know, he was walking around with his leg in a huge brace all the time. So, you know, and, and even if they were both healthy, Elandon Roberts isn't getting any younger why do we use that phrase nobody's getting younger but elandon roberts is getting (laughs) elandon roberts is getting up there in age Uh, you know even though he continued to play well uh, nothing against him he's uh adamant that he can still do it at a high level and it's hard to argue with the results but you just got to think about it practically uh mark robinson i don't know that that plane's getting off the ground anytime soon or at least it's been stuck on the tarmac for a while so Peyton Wilson, he's not a young guy. He's going to be 24 before the season starts. He's a fifth-year, uh, long-time stalwart for NC State. He had 100 mm-hmm. tackles in 2020 and 100 tackles in 2023. So he's been That's very crazy. productive there for a long time. He's kind of that you know, old-school mentality type linebacker, leader, alpha dog for the Wolfpack defense. Will there be some athletic limitations for him? Maybe, but... Uh, sure made a lot of plays in the ACC, and I think he's the type of guy the Steelers would love his makeup. Certainly. Uh, you know, Jer- Jeremiah Trotter, of course, you know, son of Jeremiah Trotter. Certainly like that makeup, too. The bloodlines, for sure. <laughs> the, bloodline. the Steelers love those uh, sons and brothers of NFL players. That's for sure. That, yeah, I can I can totally see that happening in, in, in how it plays out, and especially now, because before when people were talking about it, there were some who projected Jeremiah Trotter Jr. to be a first round pick. And I was just like, I don't see them spending first round on, on linebacker to, to get him. But if he was there in the third round, absolutely. But looking back here at some of these other positions that we talked about, you, the, the, the one position that you went with that I didn't go, that I didn't use to get anything, any pick to get was defensive line. And the position I, you, I got that you didn't get was safety. And those are two defensive positions that I do think are both of importance. I, I didn't, not pick the position, the defensive line, because I thought it was just going to be solid. I just didn't see the value for the guy that, you know, that, that I thought would be the, a good fit for the Steelers. Ray also went and got a defensive lineman with his second round pick. Um, I do think defensive line is very important, but I also, what do you think about the idea of adding a sa- a safety to this roster just with trying to get a strong safety that can pair opposite of Minka Fitzpatrick and let him kind of get back to playing maybe a traditional free safety role yeah if I hadn't gone with the gene in the first round and sort of not knowing exactly where the Steelers would view him uh as a pro I I would have very much been interested in using one of those picks on a safety because yes I I think the Keanu Neal uh experiment has kind of run its course Demonte Casey 
not a bad player. I think he still has some juice left in him. But again, I mean, he's somebody who you're probably only going to use him, you know, in the deep half of the field. And I think that's where I'd want Minka Fitzpatrick for the most part. So um, I don't know that he's that great of a scheme fit for the Steelers anymore, at, at least with the personnel that they have. I, I wonder if they'd want to continue doing business with Eric Rowe. Uh, he's he's in his 30s, but, you know, he was somebody who gave them a, a, a jolt of energy last season when he got in there over those final three weeks of uh, of the regular season. Still, though, you got to get younger. And I, I've been kind of saying for years now that once you sign Minka Fitzpatrick to that, you know, record-breaking at the time safety deal, you're going to need to go cheap at the other safety spot. So do you do that by getting kind of a retread free agent, which they've tried, or do you draft one maybe a little higher than you're comfortable with for the most part, but it helps to have that other safety on a rookie deal when you're paying Minka what you're paying. Yeah, that's the question that I have, because like you said, you don't want to invest the finances into paying a second safety, especially when Minka Fitzpatrick's a highly yeah, It's just paid not safety. realistic. You can't pay everybody. I mean, you, you can't, right. That's like, you know, I see people out there saying, uh, maybe the Steelers should target Legereus Sneed in free agency. And I'm just like, obviously, he's really good. He's he's one of the best corners in the league right now for the Chiefs. But, you know, I feel like Joey Porter Jr. is ready to be your number one. Do you, yeah. Do you need two CB1s or can you use that money elsewhere? So, um, hey, if, if it were Madden, if there were no salary cap, I'd be all for it. But, you know, allocation of resources is part of what goes into building a team. Uh, absolutely and it's finding that balance like you're saying there where you're not overspending on certain things you have to the, the, what, what often builds the best teams is that there are certain positions that you're getting great value out of but you didn't you're not investing a lot of money into and oftentimes those come from rookie deals or just or less even less likely veterans that you signed for low contracts that are over overperforming the contract that you signed you know you look at the Niners what Brock Purdy gives them at quarterback versus his contract that's huge for what it allows them to not have to spend at quarterback, which allows them to spend everywhere else. If the Steelers could get even something remotely close to that with Kenny Pickett, uh, they'd, they'd be in a much better position right now with what they're what they have on their roster. And I think that's what they're trying to do before they have to go invest in you know a lot of money back into the quarterback position is build a roster around a quarterback who doesn't cost them a whole lot. And that's again why we're you know we're kind of both looking at this. My last question here or my last you know, you know, talking point here. I I had uh, Talia, you know, Tagovailoa in the seventh round, just as a you know a, a late pick, just to add to the quarterback room here. You didn't pick a quarterback. I just I don't. You know, there's some people that think the Steelers need to be in the quarterback market in the draft. And I mean, like, if the right guy falls to the right spot, sure. I just don't see that happening. Like, I don't. I'm not convinced by Bo Nix or Michael Penix or any of these guys that they're going to be the guy enough to pass up on you know a guy who can be your starting center or starting corner or or starting defensive lineman. As I was doing that mock draft last night, Chris, after we were texting about the show, mm -hmm. I think Penix was on the board in the second round, and I kind of stared at it for a while, and I was <laughs> like, I just don't, I just don't see it, like. You know, he was very impressive at times in, in Washington's run to the national title game. Don't get me wrong. But between some of the questions that I, I still have about his overall viability in the NFL and, you know, reading the tea leaves of what Steelers brass has said since the end of the season with regard to Kenny Pickett and, you know, sort of to a lesser extent, Mason Rudolph, because he controls his own destiny. I don't think they're going to use a high pick on a quarterback and I could certainly see them going with one in the late rounds. I considered that along with running back 
I just sort of picked tight end because nobody else really jumped out at me at those other two positions as I was wrapping up the draft and about to close my laptop. Uh, you know, tight end could be something where you, you want to get another body in here and and see if it uh, meshes with Arthur Smith's scheme because of how much he does lean on the tight end. So that's why I threw that dart, but I could have just as easily picked a, uh, you know, a Joe Milton, Tagovailoa. Um, I don't know. I don't know who else is, is maybe going to be around at that point in the quarterback class. It's usually pretty unenthusiastic options such as hence Chris Oladokun a couple years ago, but Hey, mm. you mentioned Brock Purdy. He was in that same draft. So you never know was. who you're going to get uh, when, when you do try with a quarterback late. And again, like, these picks, especially like when we like we're we're still trying to learn about guys that are going to be first, second, third round picks, even fourth round. When we're getting to the sixth or seventh round, we are not trying to tell you that these are going to be the guys that are going to change anything. These are these are Dwight McGlutherin sounds like a detective from an old timey yes. southern uh, mystery movie or in, something. In the I'm heat have of the to him. Yeah, are you sure he's real? I I thought I, I was like I wasn't sure I was just like I like the name and kind of went out of the corner he's also six two so I was like ooh I'll take a, I'll take a long armed corner uh, we'll see what he measures in it if, if if he's even invited to the combine <laughs> he just he's not there at the combine it's just the name that was on the computer I'm just kidding you're Dwight McGlother and you're probably a really nice fellow with a great family who loves you very much absolutely he's brian batko i'm chris carter this has been the north shore drive podcast doing our first dual mock drafts of the season we'll be doing this throughout the offseason not too much uh but we'll be bringing this back probably around combine time in a couple weeks here on the north shore drive podcast again to re- read ray fittaparo's mock draft and all his descriptions of the players that he selected at post-gazette.com thanks again everybody we'll be back friday with more here on the north shore drive podcast Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all the sports coverage from the Post-Gazette that we have to offer, visit post-gazette.com.